five, four, three, two, one. What's up, guys? It's Inside You, the College Sports Podcast, and we are back for Group of Five Wednesday, so let's get right to it. First things first, I want to talk about a game that I forgot to talk about yesterday, the Michigan-Notre Dame game. Obviously, a big game for both two schools, both teams' coaches, Jim Harbaugh and Brian Kelly. Um, you know, in many ways, the game played out exactly how I thought it would. We saw a better, at some moments, Brandon Wimbush. And again, as usual, what we become accustomed to, we saw a faltering Michigan offense. Keep in mind, this is the Michigan an offense that people thought would be better with the transfer of graduate transfer Shea Patterson, previously at Ole Miss. This is a guy who's thrown 23 touchdown passes in 10 games last year. People were very excited to see what he could do. But unfortunately, at least initially, it doesn't look like it'll change the overall kind of recent trend of the Wolverines offense, which is stagnant. So first things first, uh, where do we go from here? You know, when I was at Nebraska this weekend to try and watch their home opener, I had a very interesting conversation with a Nebraska alum. We kind of went back and forth. And at one point, he kind of told me, you know, I'd really just like Nebraska to get back to the point where they're beating the teams they should. And every few years, they have a nice bowl game. And this was kind of in stark contrast to everyone else's uh, beliefs and hopes under new head coach Scott Frost, which is national championship robust. And I think right now what we're seeing at Michigan is they need to decide what kind of program they want to have. And I think this is what we also saw with the Irish the last few years before last season's 10 and three season is, you know, in the playoff era, in the current era, is Michigan a top program or are they okay with just being kind of a gatekeeper to the upper uh, levels of the Big Ten. I think right now it looks like they still believe that they should be a national championship competitor. So that means we need to start looking at whether they should make a move from Harbaugh. You know, Harbaugh obviously has done a lot for the program. Uh, obviously helped the program move along a lot from past coaches, Rich Rodriguez, Brady Hoke more recently. Uh, a lot of hype, you know, better recruiting definitely. Um, kind of a lot of challenges to the kind of uh, – usual state of college football you know satellite camps were a big thing and all the other things he kind of did um but unfortunately the wins on the field haven't been there you know seven eight wins has kind of been the norm but unfortunately they've always done bat poorly against the higher programs you know they had one win over michigan state which is a three and nine team and they've yet to beat an ohio state team you know their biggest rival which and uh while michigan's been struggling ohio state certainly has had their own resurgence under urban meyer so it's kind of a point right now where, uh, you know, Michigan Board of Trustees, Athletic Director, they need to come together and decide where do we go from here. I don't think we see them make a move from Harbaugh this season. I do think he's back next season. But I think if next season continues this trend, then it will be time to move on. Um, conversely, I think Brian Kelly uh, continues to do a lot to uh, improve his chances of remaining at Notre Dame long-term, you know, going into last season, I think a lot of people thought like, this is it. They're going to fire him mid season. They come out, they win 10 games. Now, obviously the season didn't end how a lot of people wanted it to, you know, those last three losses certainly hurt, but uh, definitely a good start for the Irish this season. Now the question for the Irish is, and this is one thing that I've debated publicly and privately with a number of Notre Dame fans is, you know, where do they stand in this playoff era? My personal look is that they're on the outside looking in as one of the few t major teams to still not be in a conference. They don't have a bold uh, game to kind of uh, wow voters the final weekend of the season every year. I think that hurts them. And I also think it'd be really hard for 
the playoff committee to justify getting them in. That means that you're going to have to leave out uh, two conference champions. I think that's a hard sell. You know, obviously, just looking at it right now, you would think that probably the SEC champion is going to get in. Most likely, the ACC champion, which should be Clemson, is going to get in. And the Big Ten champion will probably get in. I think if you'd see two uh, conferences be left out, it'd be the Pac-12, which certainly got hurt following uh, Washington's loss to Auburn this past weekend. And then the Big 12, which I think right now is kind of putting all of its hopes on Oklahoma. Um, you know, the other two programs in there, Tennessee, sorry, excuse me, uh, West Virginia has gotten a lot of hype for the fact that they're playing um, all of their games against Power 5 opponents this season. That's very impressive to me. I like that they're doing that. I like that they're challenging them. You know, they're going to get a lot of notoriety because of Will Greer, but their schedule is kind of troubling and their defense certainly is troubling. Sure, they did a good job with Tennessee, but Tennessee's not exactly been known for its offense recently. So we'll kind of see where they go from there. Texas, which is the other thing that I think a team has a chance that I think has a chance of challenging for that Big 12 championship game, certainly took a hit to its campaign following their loss to Maryland this last weekend. So if two conferences were going to be left out, I would think it's those two. But again, I still think that it's going to be very difficult for the Irish to get in unless they have a season where, you know, 11-1, and one, probably what they have to do at a minimum to get in. Uh, I don't see them getting in with two losses, and I think they will lose probably at least twice this season. So should be interesting to see how the playoff era goes. The most obvious quick fisk for this would for, be for them to extend to eight teams. That's what I've been advocating for very long. I'd like to see the playoff go to eight teams. You have the five Power 5 program champions get automatic bursts, and then you have three at-large teams. In my opinion, that should be two, or at the very least, one group of five team. And then as well as one team that kind of is in that eight seed where, you know, they maybe they just lost two games back-to-back weekends, you know, scheduling whatever it was. But I think that would really change the narrative and make it a lot more fun for college football fans. So moving forward, the next thing we want to talk about, obviously yesterday I mentioned FSU's uh, unfortunate home opener loss to Virginia Tech. You know, in the run-up today, I saw uh, FSU head coach Willie Taggart mention the faking of injuries by Virginia Tech players to slow the tempo. Yes, they definitely did. If you watch the replay, there was a couple of times, there was one really bad time in particular where a Virginia Tech defensive lineman hit the ground and started grabbing his knee and rolling it around. And it looked like he hadn't even been touched on the play. Uh, you know, I know that Justin Fuente said that they were worried about the uh, climate, et cetera, et cetera. But if you've spent time in uh, the Virginia, you know, area, you know that the climate between there and Florida is not that different, especially in August when it's all going to be humid, all going to be hot and muggy. So I think that was much, very much a cop out. Um, so yes, they did fake injuries. You know, that's kind of been a trend we've seen recently. I think the worst example we all saw was that Giants game a couple years ago. I think it was a Monday night game where, you know, you had multiple Giants players faking injuries and then looking and seeing that somebody else was already faking an injury. So then they got up and popped up like they were perfectly fine. Um, so yeah, it's certainly become a part of college football. It's certainly become a way to uh, slow down some of these high up-tempo offenses. Uh, and it's unfortunate. I don't like it. But I also don't think that at the end of the day that had a huge impact on that FSU offense. I think it was the penalties and the mistakes more than anything. Uh, and sure, you could argue, well, maybe the, uh, the injuries forced them to kind of break their rhythm. But at the end of the day, you know, I was I was always looking to see Cam Akers kind of explode out for a big run. That didn't really happen. The other running back, Patrick, was impressive. 
but really, you know, uh, a lot of their power running stuff, which you would thought would have done well, was stopped pretty consistently. You know, Francois certainly tried to force a couple of throws, which hurt the team. But really, I think that came down to they should have just let DeAndre Francois loose at some point and just said, listen, you know, we'll go back to the running game. But the one thing that was working was, you know, multiple long second downs, long third downs. Francois was able to find an open receiver. And I think that's that's where they needed to test that team was that weak secondary. Instead, they kept trying to go at probably Virginia Tech's strongest uh, piece on defense, that defensive line. And that's what led to the downfall. So don't like the faking of injuries, but did not think it had a major impact in the game. So that leads us to this weekend's top group of five games. The first game I want to profile, Georgia Tech and South Florida. This is a very interesting game, especially after FSU's loss. You know, I think a lot of people thought, and uh, Miami's loss, excuse me, uh, FSU and Miami's loss. This is the past weekend. I think a lot of people thought that uh, going into the season, we were going to see a repeat of Clemson and Miami for the ACC championship game. After we saw LSU com- just completely dominate Miami this past weekend and not a great LSU team, just a pretty good LSU team. That coastal division now looks to appear to be wide open going into the season. I think I picked Georgia tech to finish second, uh, at the very lowest third in that ACC Coastal Division. So it should be interesting to see what Paul Johnson's team looks like. You know, they've got a new offensive coordinator. And keep in mind, this is a Georgia Tech team that last year was one big play away from beating a Miami team in a hurricane on the road. So it should be interesting to see what this team looks like. And then you've got a South Florida team, which, you know, first off has Blake Barnett as its starting quarterback, the former Alabama player. Then you've got Charlie Strong, who last year won 10 games. His team was one of the few teams to really push that UCF team. Uh, It's his first year without Clinton Flowers. And obviously, you think he's probably looking to try and lateral back to a Power 5 job at some point. So this would be a big win for the program if they could pull it off. So that should be very interesting. I'm going to take Georgia Tech here just because I think that triple option is going to cause a lot of problems for South Florida. But I don't expect it to be a high-scoring game. Most likely 17-10, to something like that. Uh, but again, I t- I'm t- picking the Yellow Jackets. So the next game this weekend, and in many ways, this is a championship of underperforming uh, and not many expectations. We've got UNC taking on East Carolina. Both teams coming off bad years. East Carolina coming off a three and nine year. Scotty Montgomery, the Pirates head coach, entered the season definitely on the hot seat. Did not do well in losing to North Carolina A&T last weekend, a game that, you know, was just, I mean, just, completely disappointing um and then you've got unc where head coach larry fedora ever since mitch trubinsky's left uh the tar hills program hasn't looked great you know they've dealt with sanctions they've dealt with a number of uh off-field controversies the most recent controversy being at acc media days when larry fedora made a lot of comments kind of questioning cte and the connection between uh you know head trauma, concussions, and CTE, and kind of made a lot of inflammatory statements, which uh, while UNC backed Fedora so far with a losing record on the field and another bad season on the field, I think uh, will make it a lot harder to back him on statements kind of as inflammatory as those. I'm picking UNC here, but this game could really go either way. You know, the real telltale sign of kind of what state ECU's program is in is the fact that Gardner Minshew, ECU's starting quarterback last season, transferred from ECU to Washington State. Uh, Anytime you have your last year's starting quarterback transferring out of the program, that's definitely a cause for concern. 
But this is a game where it's very likely that neither of these head coaches are here next season. So should be interesting to watch. And then the last game this weekend, which I think is interesting, is Nickel State taking on Tulane. You know, Nickel State coming off a very big win last week, and they managed to upset Kansas. Kansas' head coach David Beatty entered the season with a record of 3-33. and Now they're 3-34. and uh, they brought in a new off, uh, excuse me, athletic director, Kansas did, in Chip Long. He's kind of said that he hopes to return Kansas to bowl eligibility very soon. So it's very likely that that loss probably sealed David Beatty's fate, and it's unlikely that he'll be back next season. But coming off of that big win, which was a big confidence booster, now they face Tulane. Again, you have Willie Fritz, Tulane's head coach, who is entering kind of a pivotal season of his own, a crucial season for whether he comes back to coach Tulane in the future. Uh, I'm picking Tulane here because I think you're going to see a Nickel State team that, you know, last season they probably spent all week still celebrating that win, maybe didn't focus as well as they should have. But I think Tulane pulls off the victory here. Again, probably going to be a low-scoring game. But uh, if Nickel State does manage to pull off the upset here, there's a good chance that'll lead directly to the firing of two head coaches. So, that's it for me today. A bit of a shorter podcast. Um, oh, actually, sorry. One last thing before we go. Let's talk about the Heisman race. So, uh, you know, the favorite going into the season was Bryce Love. Obviously did not impress last weekend with only uh, 29 yards on 18 carries. I think he'll return to his mean. Whether that means he's going to return to last season where he was just putting up crazy numbers early on, we don't know. You know, I'm not sure if he's still kind of hobbled by that high ankle sprain. Those take a long time to heal, but uh, certainly didn't get off to the start he wanted to. Jonathan Taylor did, though. He ran for 154 yards this last weekend. Big win for the Badgers. Great way to start the season for them. Will Greer impressed a lot of people with how he manhandled Tennessee's defense. Uh, You know, I think as as the season goes on, Greer will continue to kind of gained steam as I think he's going to impress a lot of people with his performance on the field and with the Mountaineer season. And then lastly, Ed Oliver, a guy we never want to forget, you know, uh, Houston so far has kind of been out of the spotlight. Uh, True, they did beat Rice this past weekend, but I think the first game we're really going to get to see Ed Oliver kind of gain some serious notoriety for this weekend when Kevin Sumlin travels back to Houston for the first time in years. Uh, It should be a very interesting game for both teams. You know, Houston is coming off a victory over its city rival Rice. Uh, At the same time, I think they're a team that people think do have a chance to challenge for the American Conference Championship this season. And then conversely, you've got an Arizona team that's coming off a very bad-looking opening season loss to a BYU team. You know, Khalil Tate, uh, while he was able to do decent in terms of numbers, 17 for 34, 35, whatever it was, not great, uh, not the start you expected when you put together a Kevin Sumlin coach team and a mobile do-threat quarterback. So uh, in that game, I'm picking Houston just because I think what you're going to see is Ed Oliver just decimate that Arizona offensive line. I think when you talk about a mobile quarterback like that, you know, it's a complete game changer when you have a defensive lineman like Ed Oliver who can run from hash to hash, who's going to command double or triple teams. That's going to alleviate a lot of pressure from the secondary and linebackers for Houston. And I think when it kind of comes together, also you're going to see a Houston team very much pumped up about this. In many ways, this game is going to kind of be Houston's chance to say to 
you know, the SEC or the Big 12 or really the Power Five in general, like, hey, we're still here. Don't forget about us because they've been continuously overlooked as they've tried to move up in the ranks of college football. So I'm picking Houston in that game. I think Ed Oliver just dominates. You know, Derek King did well last week, and I believe he had 320 yards of offense. Uh, you know, this is a guy who was a converted wide receiver. Uh, you know, the Cougars have a new offensive coordinator in Kendall Bryles, who was able to do great things under his dad at Baylor. So that should be interesting. But uh, again, probably a low scoring game, but I think Houston takes it. So, uh, but it could be a very good game for Ed Oliver to improve his kind of, um, improve his exposure to Heisman Trophy voters. And so that should be interesting. So a lot of good games this weekend. I'll be back on Monday to discuss them and go over the most recent storylines in college football. Hope you guys have a great weekend and I'll see you guys soon. Bye.